I know that y'all that are here know that I really love Christmas. Uh, I have adorned my Christmas tie for y'all today, so I have my Christmas tie, and yes, it has Santa Claus on there, but we all know that Jesus Christ is the one that truly gives, right? Okay, for all the kids out there, Santa Claus, okay? Let me move on. But I, like I said earlier, I was able to decorate the house for Christmas. And I don't know of you, but this year has been a little bit difficult in Christmas shopping, has it not? Have you kind of found that it's a little difficult? During Christmas time, I normally just simply drive and go to a mall and, and just simply walk around the mall. I, I, I might not buy anything, but I'm just going to walk around the mall. I'm going to look at all the Christmas decorations, the Christmas uh, you know, presents or presents that needs to be bought and wrapped. Uh, and, and, and I get a feel of the Christmas music, right? How many of y'all remember Whenever you could go to the mall and they would have a stage that was set up and different churches would have their choirs come and sing Christmas carols. Y'all remember that? I love that. Uh, but I love the Christmas season. I have my peppermint Christmas socks on for y'all. It's just the Christmas spirit. But as I think about this, I know that there are people that the Christmas season doesn't really bring that much joy. There, there's not enough tinsel. There's not enough twinkling lights to get us to forget the pain of a lost loved one. I, I was thinking about it this morning. This is my first Christmas without my dad here. And that's, that makes a change. During the holiday season, we have all of these memories that comes flooding in about uh, loved ones that have passed away. Memories of, uh, well, you know, my pawpaw whenever I got my first shotgun and sitting in the kitchen window shooting out or in the kitchen sink facing out the window shooting birds out of that sink. Uh, you know, that, now the birds weren't in the sink, I was. Just wanted to kind of clarify that. You know, those memories, as they come in, uh, you know, sometimes they also quickly turn from smiles to frowns because you miss that person. There's a lot of people. Um, unfortunately, I heard of a company last week laid off 40 people. Unannounced. Just came into work on a Monday morning. And they were laid off. There, there's a lot of stress that comes in during this Christmas season that, yes, although you get to decorate your house and you get to put the lights on the Christmas tree and every flat surface that doesn't have something already on it, you're going to put some type of garland or Christmas lights on it, right? You got it? Uh, yeah. Andrew helped me put up our nativity scene that mom gave me this, you know, gave me last year. And it has, you know, baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph, and it's got the shepherd and the donkey, and then it has the three kings, and they have a camel. And now we put it up in two different places, okay? So the kings are all the way over here by themselves, and the, the donkey and the, you know, the baby and the shepherd, they're over here by themselves. Uh, you know, I, I think it looks really great, uh, you know, but that's, I guess it's because I did the decorating. 
but Peggy did give me some props. Uh, you know, she uh, told me that the garland that I bought last year, that's a bright lime green with red balls and stuff on it. She likes it and she wants me to go get her some more. But that means I have to go to Hobby Lobby. And can I go to Hobby Lobby and just come out with that? Uh, no, I doubt it. So I'm pretty sure she's going to be the one that goes gets that. Uh, it's, it's just that, that way. So whenever we think about this week of, of joy and we read the Advent reading and I lit that candle or I turned that candle and uh, you know, had that light light up on the joy candle, I can imagine either physically or somewhere deep down inside, you most probably rolled your eyes and said, yeah, I really don't feel the joy this year. There, there's a lot of stress in it. The, the stress with the shopping is the fact that I have to put a mask on. And I'm going to ask this again because how many of you have walked to the door of a store and then, oh, forgot my mask, and have to turn around and go back to the car and get it, right? That's not joyful. I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I just I park at the other end of the parking lot so that I don't get dents and scratches on Peggy's truck. So that means I have to walk all the way to back to... There's no joy. But see, our joy really doesn't come from tinsel or from Christmas lights, does it? Our joy doesn't even come from the Christmas carols that's sung over the loudspeakers in most of the department, if not all of the department stores now. Our joy as Christians should come from Jesus Christ. So today, this message that we have, even though it's joy, we receive our joy from God. So we have to look at God's love for us today. Now, in looking at God's love for us, I want us to turn to Isaiah chapter 61, and we're going to, I'm going to preach to you from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, and then I'll read verses 10 through 11, but you can pull everything from chapters, chapter 61, verses 1 through 4, and then 8 through 11. I'm going to kind of skip some of those for you in the reading so as you're turning there, I want to help us out and I want to set the stage because here Isaiah is going to make a declaration of something that might be a little strange to us. So I'm going to take us into this because he is going to declare the year of Jubilee and we will find that in verse 2. Because he talks about the year or the time of God's favor. And that would be the year of Jubilee. Now he gets this from the Torah. And we all know that the Torah is what, what Moses received from God on Mount Zion. Whenever he received the Torah or the Ten Commandments. The commandments of God. And in the Torah... There's four commandments that's given that deals with economics or the economy of the church or of, the, of people in, in themselves, the Israelites. The first one that it deals with, of course, is going to be the one that we all talk about it really that really often is going to be the 10% of tithing. Now, 
in the scripture, it says that it's 10% of the money that you get or the crops that you bring in. Okay, so if you're working and you get a paycheck, you were supposed to tithe 10% of that. If you are retired and you get a check from the government, that is income that you receive and you were supposed to tithe 10% of that. Now, if you have a business and your business has a profit, you were supposed to tithe 10% of the profit of the business because that is what God has blessed you with. So that is tithing in itself. Now, we also know that you can tithe time. So if you don't have a job, God has a job for you and you can tithe 10% of your day. And a day is 24 hours, so that's 2.4 hours that you were supposed to give to God every single day. I can use your help at the church. The second one that they have is going to be the Sabbath day. And we all know that on the seventh day of creation, God rested. So on the seventh day, they were not supposed to do any work. Their animals weren't supposed to work. They were not supposed to, of course, take in crops or anything like that. It even goes into the in-depth as far as telling us that you are not supposed to knead dough or you remember whenever Jesus spit in the mud and he kneaded the mud and rubbed it on the blind, blind man's eye to heal him? Uh, it was the fact that Jesus worked on the Sabbath day by kneading the mud that the Pharisees and Sadducees were all upset. So whenever they say that you were supposed to rest on the Sabbath, they meant rest. You weren't even supposed to walk over a quarter of a mile, I believe it is. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of things in there that deals with this. But in the Sabbath, it also deals with the Sabbath year. Okay, So every seven days you take a rest. Every seven years you were supposed to allow your land and your animals to take a rest. Now that means you're not supposed to harvest any crops. You're not supposed to plant any crops. The sheep that you have, you're not supposed to shear those sheep. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to, if you shear, you shear goats too, because they used goat hair to make the tents. You're not supposed to do that for that seventh year. So in other words, you're saying that on the seventh day, that God is going to bless you and the food that you had for day six will also last you for day seven. But then on your Sabbath year, the crops that you bring in for year six will also suffice for you for year seven. But it will also take you over into year eight because you didn't plant anything in year seven. So you don't have a crop that's ready for you until halfway through year eight. But it's all about God's provision. And all of these economic things and the way that we look at these things is that if we do these things that God has asked us to do, that He will provide for us. Okay, that He's going to do this. Now, the third thing that we have here is whenever you harvest your crops or whenever they harvest their fields, they were to leave the outside edge of their fields unharvested. And then whenever they turned the corner to go back up the aisle, they were supposed to leave a wide spread over in the corners and they weren't supposed to harvest those corners. The reason for that was for the orphans and for the widows to make sure that they would have food throughout the year. 
and so that they would be plentiful, but also if there was foreigners that would be traveling through that needed food or something during that time, they would also be able to go there and they would be able to glean from that field. Scripture also shows us and tells us that if you dropped or if they dropped a bundle of wheat, they weren't supposed to go back and pick it up. Okay, It was supposed to be left there as well for the others to get it. And that was just simply for us or for the ones that own the land to understand and to be able to help the ones that was less fortunate to be able to survive and to be able to have food in their lives as well. Scripture tells us that the Israelites did a fairly good job on observing each one of these um, economic rules or laws that they have. The fourth one, Scripture says and shows us that there's no evidence that they ever performed this one. And that would be the year of Jubilee. So the year of Jubilee happens every seventh or the year after every Sabbath Sabbath year. So for every seven Sabbath years, you would have one year of Jubilee. Seven sevens is 49, so that gives you that the year of Jubilee would be every 50 years. If you were an Israelite and you actually sold property or sold land, the value of that land would be determined on what year you were in up to the year of Jubilee. So if you sold it after 25 years, then it would be worth half the amount that it or half the value that it would have been at year one or right after the year of Jubilee. Because in the year of Jubilee, what happens? Year of Jubilee, everything is given back. That's like a redo button. How many of you would like a redo button on life sometimes? Let me redo this. I made a bad decision there. I need to redo that one. I said something there I wasn't supposed to say. And of course, you know as soon as the word comes out of your mouth that you can say I'm sorry, but it's already out there, right? Uh, you know, and you can't take it back. It's, it's said. There's a lot of times we'd want to do those redo buttons on those, wouldn't it? Uh, you know. Oh, man, I, I know I'm... I'm I'm getting personal with that, right? I'm sorry. It's the redo button. So, uh, you know, well, let me get into the passage of Scripture, and you'll see what we're talking about here. It's really good. Okay, so in verse 1 of 61, chapter 61, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, and to proclaim the captives will be set free. The prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those whom, whom, who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. The time of the year of Jubilee has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemy. So this is freedom for them. So this is that reset or that redo button that we have. 
One of the things that we have to understand and we have to go back to and we have to picture, I've preached from Isaiah already in this particular Advent season, and what we have and where the Israelites are, if you can kind of picture this, they are standing on the precipice of this great nation that they used to see and that they've heard all of the stories about how wonderful and how great uh, you know, Jerusalem was, and they're looking out there and all they see is utter destruction. Their homes are destroyed. The temple has been defiled. Homes have been burnt. The fields are absolutely barren. There is absolutely nothing that is there. And the prophet is trying to tell them that you need to be happy. You need to be full of joy because this is the time of jubilee. You are no longer a slave in Babylon. You are free. God has set you free from your captives. Whew. How many of us have been set free from our captives? We've all been set free from our sins as long as we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we know that our sins have chained and have bound us to this world. And because of our sins, we are slaves to that. And because of being slaves to our sins, our just reward would be death. But because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, we have forgiveness of our sins. The chains are broken. We are set free. But what about the stresses that I still have in my life, Pastor? What about those moments whenever I'm sitting there in my house and I'm looking at the twinkling Christmas lights and I remember the loss of my husband or my wife or my father? Or what about the child that I had a miscarriage on? Or what about the fact that I've lost my job and I don't have any income coming in? What about this pandemic that we're in and all the stress that this is you know that that's coming through and that we are living in because of all of this you're standing here and you're standing behind that pool, that podium and you were telling me that I need to be joyful in all of this that I need to have joy in my life what about the despair? What about the pain? What about the illnesses that's going on? The joy. Where does the joy come from? Our joy comes from the Lord. I want you to see and to grab and to understand that Whenever Isaiah gave them this proclamation, Isaiah didn't say that you're going to have to do something to receive this joy. He said, God is bringing this favor upon you. Now what that gives and what that understands or helps us to understand is that whenever we go out and we sow... Just like the scripture, just like the reading that we did this morning, whenever we go out to sow, we sow with tears, but we come back singing songs of joy. 
We sing songs of joy because of what we have just planted because we trust that God will provide and that seed that I just put into the ground is going to multiply a hundred times. Because my God said that this is the year of Jubilee and that He is going to bless us. I think we need a redo for the service this morning. Uh, you know, if, if I'm wrong, let me know. I am absolutely no different than you are. I struggle through the same thing. So whenever I'm talking about despair and I'm talking about sadness and heartache and pain, I experience it. I talked about the Christmas tree and sitting there and looking at the lights twinkle and then all of a sudden the sadness comes upon you. Last night at about 10.30, I sit there. I'm like, my dad would have told me that that's a bare spot on that tree. Man, growing up, loved Christmas. My dad and my mom loved Christmas. But you know what? They gave us kids one strand of tinsel at a time. And then they would decorate, they they would direct us in where it was supposed to go. And then they would tell us that y'all did a great job in decorating that tree. I missed my dad last night telling me there's a bare spot. So whenever I'm talking about joy, I know that it's difficult for us to have a joyous life because of the struggle. See, we're in this already but not yet stage. I talked about it last week with Stephen whenever he looked up into the heavens and he saw the heavens. He saw the new heaven. It's not that it has to be created. He saw it already. It is already in its fullness. And that lets us know that the victory and the battle that we are still trying to fight today, that Jesus Christ has already won that battle. The struggles that we're fighting today, He's taken care of those. The Israelites, as they walked out there to plant that seed, they knew that their God was going to take care of it. He had promised to them that this land would be multiplied and that it would become beautiful once again. That is exactly what we do today. Our joy is not in today. It's not in the twinkling lights. It's not in the fact that on December the 25th that we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We're celebrating His birth, death, burial, resurrection, and that He's at the right hand of God the Father praying for us right now. We're celebrating all of it because it's happened. And we know that it's happened. And because we know that it's happened, we have joy. Even though this world is constantly trying to beat us up. Even though there's nothing but sadness and heartache that we're in. Wow. That took a way big turn. I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to this. Because see, what we have right now, 
we only have it because of Jesus Christ and because of God. Because of what He has done for us. So we praise Him because the victory's already been won. Because everything is going to be okay. Whenever He promised us that we're going to live this, this life of abundance. Do you not think it's not going to happen? Do you really think that your life is going to mean, to, is going to mean nothing? If we live our lives for Jesus Christ, it will multiply a hundredfold. Now, I, I want to help you with this for a little bit. Because Isaiah here is talking through this and he is bringing the Israelites back after they've come back from captivity. But it's not too far from whenever the Israelites were freed from the bondage of slavery from Egypt. See, it took 400 years that they were in slavery, but then it took 40 years as they wandered around in the wilderness for God to get the 400 years of the, of the gods of Egypt out of them. He had to prove to them without a shadow of a doubt that whenever he says that I will provide for you, that that's exactly what he's going to do. He gave them manna every single morning except for on the Sabbath day. And on Saturday they were supposed to pick it up for two days. Depending on what Sabbath day you are, it could be Friday and then the Sabbath day was on Saturday. It depends what it, he provided for them. The sandals that they wore from the beginning were the same sandals they had on their feet whenever they entered into the promised land. The clothes that they had, same clothes. The tents that they stayed in, the only thing that changed was they might have got bigger as they had more children. He did exactly what he promised them that he would do. He has done for us exactly what he has promised us that he would do. And that he would provide for us a savior. And that savior is Jesus Christ. That we celebrate his birth today. And whenever he told us that. That he was going to provide the Savior. And all we had to do was to believe in him. And once we believed in him, we were supposed to do what? Think about it in your head. I'm going to give you the answer. We were supposed to glorify God. Every single thing that we do and the only thing that we do as Christians, as believers of Jesus Christ, is we glorify God the Father. The Israelites... Missed it. And they didn't glorify their father. We're supposed to be the hands and feet in the light of this lost and dying world. We're supposed to be the ones that shows them the year of jubilee. Or the joy that we receive from Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior every single day of our life. A Christian's life is hard. It's difficult, right? All you have to do 
is show the glory of God to the world. I'm going to chuckle inside because it sounds easy, but we all know that it's not. We all know that it's not that easy of a task. But see, Jesus knew that it wasn't that easy of a task either. And that's why he gave us his Holy Spirit. To live in us and to guide us and to direct us. All the way through the the hope that we have. We have the hope because we have knowledge in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The peace that we have, we have because peace is Jesus Christ. The joy that we have is the joy knowing that Jesus Christ that, you know, that was born on Christmas Day and that died on the cross and that rose again on the third day and that is seated at the right hand of God the Father, that He is our joy. Because as we look in verse 10, it says, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for He has dressed me in the clothes of salvation And draped me in a robe of righteousness. That's why we have joy. Because of our salvation. Because we are clothed with salvation. That only comes through Jesus Christ. And through confessing our sins. And trusting and believing in Him. All of our days. Wow. I'll continue reading this because I like this here because it says, after that it says, I am like a bridegroom in his wedding suit or a bride in her jewels. Can you picture what that is? I can. Because as we were moving, I stumbled across some of our wedding pictures. And I want you to know that I was dressed from head to toe. I had a white socks. And it's because I didn't have a white pair of socks. Because see, I preserved myself. And my wife was the only and is the only one that I have ever made love to. Jesus Christ in this life that we have. He is the only one that has ever truly loved us. And he is pure and his love is pure. And everything that he wants and has for us is pure and it is good and it is more than what we would ever deserve. But it all comes from him. This morning, the joy that we have and the joy that we're supposed to be sharing to this world is the joy in knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Knowing Him. bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear Lord, for this day. God, I thank you for the words that you have said to us. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray, dear Lord, that the words that have been spoken, God, that the ears have been opened, 
And God, that the hearts have been prepared and that they would allow your spirit to move through these words. In Jesus' name, amen.